Before we get started, we'll give a little shout out to our sponsor, Strange Adornments. She creates these absolutely beautiful rope necklaces with bones and beads. They're fantastic. I own three. Her products are so amazing. They sell out very quickly and you have to be very fast when you get to her site. Find her at Strange Adornments on TikTok and Instagram, S-T-R-A-N-G-E-A-D-O-R-N-M-E-N-T-S. Beautiful work. I have several of her pieces. So if you're into strange, kind of dark, esoteric jewelry, check her out. The Devil's Dirt Star podcast was created for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. Greetings from the Devil's Dirt Star. A podcast for the esoteric and strange. So, uh, do you want me to launch this bitch? Launch it. <laughs> Into space. <laughs> uh, at least to the heavens or, or much lower. One way or the other. Launch yeah. it somewhere. All right, cool. Welcome back, Dirtlings, to the Devil's Dirt Star. I'm your host, Big Spoon, and I'm here with my co-host, Ellsworth. Hello. Ellie, what are we going to talk about today? We are going to return to our first episode where we discussed the Watchers and Azazel. And we are going to now give a little more breakdown to the story of the Watchers and some of the cultural implications. Uh, That's not the word I'm looking for. Significance? Yeah, cultural influences. We're going to discuss uh, some of the cultural influences of the time uh, of the Hellenistic and Mesopotamian cultures at the time that this was written in 200, 250 BC. Yeah. I haven't peaked. It's, I've, I've (laughs) been dropped. It's might be a little all over the place because I've been pulling from a bunch of different sources and just kind of like, oh, that's interesting. I'm going to drop this in there. But our list of sources is like kind of out of control. Yes. There's a lot. There's one book in particular that I found the free PDF version on some scholarly site. And then I could not refind it after. So I got some really good details off of it. And then I wanted to continue reading it and I could no longer access it. So you get what you get. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to read it, I'll give you the title, but yeah. yeah. Sounds good. So where do we want to start? I'm going to just start with this quote that I just saw. So this is an Anakian reference um, that kind of, shows what the watchers caused or like kind of what the end result was Yahweh which is or Yahweh which is a Hebrew name for God Yahweh saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that the inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually and Yahweh regretted that he had made men on earth and grieved it in his heart so the Watchers are kind of a precursor to the flood, um, you know, the flood TM capital letters. And it's kind of leading in the antediluvian times. I think that's the correct terminology of kind of what caused that. Culturally speaking, I think they're kind of the Watchers are a tale of sin and kind of showing what things are not okay and what kind of what caused mankind to sin um depending on who you who you ask and what resource you look at because as we were discussing (laughs) there's there's a lot of different beliefs about the watchers and about their their meaning and about um what the intention was when their their story was written and there's there's both good and bad aspects of of the watcher story and does this all come from the book of enoch 
No, the um, so the watchers are covered in they're discussed actually in a lot of different sources. The ones that we're going to kind of bring up today, they're in some Hebrew texts. They're probably most well known from the Enochian book, uh, the Book of Enoch. Um, they're briefly mentioned in the King James Bible. Um, if for those who are familiar at all with it, it's in the Book of Daniel, the Nebuchadnezzar, the king. Um, it's the best. Name. I know. I love that name. It's so fun. Um, he has a dream, and the specific quote. This is, I, I believe, the only time in the King James version that the Watchers are mentioned. But um, this is this matter is by the decree of the Watchers and the demand by the word of the holy ones to the intent that the living may know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will, and settleth up over the basest of men. Long story short, Nebuchadnezzar had this dream, and he was very into the occult magic, witchcraft, that kind of stuff, and he had a lot of uh, supernatural advisors, so to speak. But none of his sages or wise men could interpret the dream. And then Daniel, from the book of Daniel, you know, he came in and interpreted the dream to with an interpretation that Nebuchadnezzar accepted, and ultimately kind of converted Nebuchadnezzar, who was a polytheist, um, Mm -hmm. to believe that God, this Hebrew God was like the God. The one and only? Yes. Yeah. He's like the true God. Um, Ultimately, Nebuchadnezzar, you know, flies a little too close to the sun, starts comparing himself to God, gets punished for that, which is what the dream was warning would happen. But yeah, so in, in this reference in the King James Bible, I believe the watchers are used in a good term. So like as the original watchers before they fell, those angels, um, that's the reference that's being used in the Bible. Um, So other places that the watchers are mentioned, aside from the book of Enoch and um, Daniel, there is a book called the book of giants, which you're familiar with Um, the book of Jubilees, the Damascus document. It's, in other versions of the Bible, other than the King James Version, I'm not familiar with the other versions, but it is mentioned in other versions of the Bible. And there are quite a lot of, of trains of thought that believe that the Watchers come from the Babylonian um, Mesopotamian origin. Okay, um, so, so ancient. Yes, yes. So although the Watchers in the t- context that we are speaking of them from the Book of Enoch, that is largely connected to the Christian Bible and the Torah, the Jewish Torah. That's kind of the origin of it. I mean, it's, you know, continuing on the tale of Genesis or um, an add on to Genesis. Okay. So, because Genesis covers the flood and the fall of mankind and stuff. So, this is kind of just more an addendum to that. It kind of breaks down the story more. However, there are a lot of correlations between the Watchers and Mesopotamian myths, one of them being the Anukai or the um, Apkalu, which are two different things, um, oh. but two. Mesopotamian things and the Apkalu um, is something that actually you mentioned earlier that you had actually heard of them, um, but they're the seven sages who come down to teach humanity during the antediluvian times. Oh, okay. Because I was, um, I think I was getting kind of confused thinking that the sages were a different name for something else, almost as if they were angels or some kind of divine messenger. Yeah, I would say to an extent that is probably that's accurate just because every culture kind of has a different way of looking at angels and demons. And I do know, um, I kind of went down a hole with Mesopotamian beliefs, but I learned some things about, you know, Mesopotamian, the way that they view demons, because some of the, the giants from the book of Enoch are kind of comparable to the lore of the Utuku, also known as the Yadog. 
Hmm. So they're a class of demons in Mesopotamian lore. So I think generally in our context, in our view of things, there's angels and demons. Angels are the good guys, demons are the bad guys. In their lore, these creatures are sometimes good, sometimes bad. So hmm. they're, they're, you know, sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit. <laughs> <laughs> so they're like humans. Yeah. I found some really interesting <laughs> Mesopotamian books and translations that actually kind of gave you exorcism information on, on how to perform exorcisms. And they would use the good Utuku to get rid of the bad. Oh. So they're like, they're helpful demons. Um, and But the comparisons, a lot of the texts that I read, and personally, I could not find a correlation between reading them where I felt comfortable. Like I would not have noticed this on my own, mm-hmm. but according to experts, um, <laughs> some of the different sources that we found, they said that these demons had a lot of comparable descriptions to the Nephilim, the giants. That's cool. Yeah. So there's definitely, I mean, it makes sense. You know, most religions and cultures kind of steal from each other in one way or another. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's, it's very interesting that this lore all kind of ties in together and has similarities with each other. And also just the way they're being looked at, because like mentioning Prometheus and this being kind of similar to Prometheus. And so there's a book or part of a book called the watchers in Christian and Jewish traditions. Um, And one of the portions of that book is the symbolic resistance in the book of the watchers by Anethia Porter Young. And one of the things that she actually brings up, and this is something that we noticed in just reading the book of Enoch. And then there are a bunch of other people have also noticed this because the correlation is very clear, the connection to Prometheus and that story of defiance and of falling in love with mankind and giving mankind forbidden knowledge. Azazel is a prime example. I mean, he quite literally loved mankind (laughs) um, or womankind to be more specific, but kind of showing that this fall from grace and this fall from, you know, you are a being that is higher than humans and belonging to a father or a creator or whatever that wants to kind of keep mankind, I guess, as a pet and pure and whatever. And just saying, no, they deserve to, I mean, Prometheus gave mankind fire, which allowed them to create weapons. And Azazel taught mankind how to make weapons. So there's kind of, um, according to Porter Young, she sees the story of Watchers as being influenced by the, um, because I mean, art is a reflection of the times. And this is, I mean, any story is a form of art. And saying that this is influenced by the displeasure of the people under Mesopotamian and Hellenistic rule at the time. So Hellenistic being from Alexander the Great's death, which was in 323 BC to Cleopatra's, which was in 30 BC. So that, oh. that time frame. Wow. And the Book of the Watchers was written right like dead center pretty much in 200 BC. Huh. So they're saying that she had two comparisons. The one saying that, okay, Prometheus, you know, the that Greek story of a giant, because he was a titan, yeah. um, coming down to earth and giving people forbidden knowledge and then being condemned for it and tied to the rocks, which is what happened to Azazel basically. And then the comparison of instead the way the giants are described as having devoured all labor made by mankind. And at the time, empires and rulers were very, it was a time of great expansion for a lot of places. It was kind of the heyday of Greece and Rome and all that kind of, you know, that empire expansion. So um, they were saying possibly the watchers and their offspring, these Nephilim, the giants that, or the demons, you know, um, were a metaphor for the greedy, selfish, cruel, Hellenistic rulers at the time. Wow. That's interesting because I, I didn't really understand the timeline of events and when it was happening. 
And what was happening yeah. in the world? Wow. It's super, it's super interesting. I think any story is kind of a tale of the time and you can kind of pick apart what was going on. Oh, definitely. Based on the way it was told. Yeah. Um, That's fair. I like kind of looking at the good and the bad that maybe this was an example of, you know, like Prometheus, which to me is a story of a good being being punished for being good. But then also the comparison of the Nephilim and the giants, you know, devouring labor made by mankind. And part of what I believe she actually mentions this in, in her article, but part of the resistance possibly would be that as these places expanded and took in other cultures, part of their function was trying to make things more homogenous, hmm. essentially. And so that this was a resistance to that. And and the watchers were kind of a resistance to that because they were disobeying what the nomenclature, well, like what was acceptable at the time. Yeah. So there's just, there's a lot of backstory to what, yeah. what, could have influenced the book of Enoch and the tale of the watchers. And you can definitely see the influences from Mesopotamian myths and Greek myths. Yeah. Like a giant tale of rebellion. Yeah. Yeah. It it really is. I mean, the watchers (laughs) just kind of being like, you know, we're going to do this together and we're going to disobey what we were told to do. And but to me, it was to gift gifts. You know what I mean? Or rather, um, basic functions that we need and got us where we are today, which arguably, I mean, yeah. some people, well, it's not great. <laughs> it could be, it could be uh, worse. Um, but it yeah, could be it, worse. it's definitely the, I'm having a really hard time collecting my thoughts today. There's so much. Yeah. Like my brain's just, <laughs> there's a ping pong in there. Um, yeah. It's, it's just the, the watchers are, you can see how easy it is to interpret it both positively and negatively looking at it because the watchers caused the flood. Essentially they're saying is, is, you know, the watchers came in pre-flood. They copulated with humans. They created the Nephilim, um, which are the human angel hybrids and the Nephilim became these giants that destroyed everything. And then when the Nephilim died, because they were not entirely mortal, they couldn't actually die. And they became demons that roamed the earth. And then God just kind of clean slated that shit. Control, yeah. alt, delete. Um, <laughs> God, control, alt, deleted them. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Just I like, like that one. Reset, reset. I'm wrapping my brain around it. Sorry. Yeah, uh, it's definitely, I mean, I, I think. We covered it in the Azazel episode, but to give a brief rundown of the story of the Watchers in case you didn't listen to that, which you should go do. So the fall of the Watchers can be found in the book of Enoch, section two, chapter um, eight through 11. And essentially the Watchers were angels that God set to look out for humankind to keep an eye on them and make sure that they're, you know, being good. See, I tried to create an outline with those big gray tabs, but it wasn't helpful. And I still can't find the things that... You're fine. Scroll away. I saw the bit out of... Yeah. I, like, as I was going through it last night and making sure I had everything I wanted, and I was like, I should have... I should have uh, done better. (laughs) (laughs) No, Um, this is fine. So the watchers were these angels. As they watched mankind grow, they started looking at how beautiful human women were. And they decided they wanted to copulate with them. And because this was against the rules, so to speak, their leader convinced 200 of them to all curse themselves at the same time and agree to do this thing and come down and fornicate with human women and take wives and create children. And those children became the Nephilim, the giants, 
And the giants, as we said, basically destroyed everything, consumed everything that mankind had made. There was a lot of sinning going on, you know, lots of sin. We'll get to the (laughs) sin part and all and all the different ways that these specific watchers caused sin. There are seven specific watchers that are mentioned in the book of Enoch in this one specific paragraph. I found this really interesting. So I'm going to read that exact paragraph because that to me is the correlation with the seven Mesopotamian sages. Yeah. So this, again, this is uh, chapter eight, lines one through four. And it says, and Azazel taught mankind to make swords and knives and shields and coats of mail and taught them to see what was behind them and their works of art, bracelets and ornaments and the use of rouge and the beautifying of eyebrows and the dearest and choicest stones and all coloring substances and metals of the earth. And there was great wickedness and much fornication and they sinned and their ways were corrupt. I don't know how to pronounce these names and I didn't put it in this paragraph. So I'm, I apologize. I'm going to mess this up, but, and then Amazarak taught all of the conjurers. So witchcraft and root cutters, medicine, Amaros, oh. the loosening of conjurations. So breaking hexes, essentially. Barakal, the astrologers, Kokabel, the signs, and Temel taught astrology, which is different than the astrologers, apparently, and Asvidel taught the course of the moon. And in the destruction of mankind, they cried aloud and their voices reached heaven. That last line to me also is very interesting because I reinterpret that as like these watchers loved mankind. And so when God created the flood and destroyed mankind, they cried aloud and their voices reached heaven. It's also possible that by interpretation that they're saying mankind cried aloud and their voices reached heaven. But Mm. in the context of how it was written, I read this as saying those seven sages were heartbroken when God deleted all of their loved ones. (laughs) I just got sad chills when you said that, (laughs) that it was them, their voices. Yes. The fallen. They like, you know, they came down to to copulate and to love mankind. Um, Yeah. They, I mean, can you imagine bonding with someone and then God is like, cut that shit out. Yeah. And literally did that. Yep. Wow. Also, Good call on the root cutters thing. I didn't know how to interpret that. I'm like root cutters lumber. I had to I had to Google it, but yeah, it's, it's the medicine. Yeah, yeah, that makes total sense. In the book of Enoch, um, there are two tales kind of that share this fall, the pre-flood corruption of mankind. Okay. Um, but the primary one, which is the one that I think we're kind of focusing on and also the one we focused on in our first episode is the one that is Azazel focused. So the first version is where the, the leader of these angels, Shimi Haza, was worried that the plan that they came up with, you know, was sinful and then had them all swear to unite on Mount Hermon, teach the humans forbidden knowledge, make babies with them, create giants, get flooded, die. Um, the Azazel story it is the same tale, but it's more focused on Azazel. And so it has the same narrative Um, But it kind of focuses on his side of the story and his following punishment, because although in one side of the story, you know, there is the leader of the angels who convinces everyone to go down. And that wasn't Azazel. But Azazel is the one who becomes a scapegoat. Oh, my God. How am I just putting that together (laughs) right now? So he gets um, again, listen to our first episode if you want more detail on Azazel's narrative. But he is bound, cast into darkness and made to consume everyone's sin essentially until Judgment Day. How am I just putting that together at this moment in time? It's it's so I'm embarrassed. It's so interesting. It is very interesting. Wow. I have like a a breakdown the timeline of events of the fall and how that happened. Yeah. Do we want to go through it? Yeah, absolutely. So 
literally, we're going to talk about the watchers. So there is a myriad of angels who are divine messengers for God, and their job is to deliver commands and revelations to mankind back down on earth. So for the most part, there's thousands and thousands of them, tens of thousands, literally the Greek root word myriad meaning like a metric, yeah, a metric <laughs> fuck ton yeah. of angels, but 200 of them rebelled as they were observing mankind and looking at mortal women. They realized I got to get me some. Yeah. So like you said, they went and they made a pact that they were going to start families with these mortal women and they were going to teach them all these things or maybe one thing begot the other. And you know, I mean, you got to get to know somebody over dinner, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so what are you, you into? About? Oh, you make jewelry. Can you teach me how to do that? <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about weapons. Yeah. <laughs> What's this? Meteorology? <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> so, you know, I could understand them kind of gifting that knowledge to mortals yeah. and whatnot. So, yeah, they just decided to go down, make Nephilim babies. I mean, they probably didn't know that's what was going to happen. And they made them families, showed them how to make armor and weapons, taught them forbidden knowledge, quote unquote, or not quote unquote. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, guess it's forbidden depending on who you ask. Yeah. Yeah. If you I, ask God, maybe <laughs> then it's forbidden. Yeah. Let's not ask. We'll wait. Um, <laughs> ask for forgiveness, not permission. <laughs> But like literally <laughs> in the highest form. Yeah. Um, ten Hail Marys. <laughs> yeah, that'll solve it. We've talked yeah. about this. My favorite thing though is that Azazel taught people, I don't want to say just women, but yeah. but humans, how to give themselves a full beat with makeup yeah. and make themselves beautiful and therein desirable yeah, to one he was, another. Like he was teaching in my interpretation of that that he's teaching mankind a way to love themselves and appreciate themselves and decorate their temple so to speak you know which i know in some places is maybe a false idol but i um yeah i i have a soft spot for uh as they, so i almost said i have a softy for him but that probably means something else <laughs> Boy, let me tell you, uh, I got a real softy. You give me a real softy, mister. <laughs> I really do, too, because I I think it was a kind gesture. Yeah. But God, we're going to get canceled by the Christians. So, uh, I, I, they're going to cancel us over our, the name of our podcast before they even listen. Oh, to yeah. Anything. They're not listening unless we're peeking. Just saying interest. the devil exists because of Christianity. So you should be appreciating this. We are born of Christian background, I guess. Kind of. Yeah. And clay and shit. Yeah. (laughs) Lots of clay. But along with these now fallen watchers, we have some archangels. We have four of them that were kind of witnessing what was going on and they ratted the shit out of them. Yep. Total snitches. They didn't get stitches, but whatever. Just wait till the end of times. We're coming for you. (laughs) Actually, I'd love to know what the end of times has to say about the archangels. That's interesting. I think they commit a lot of the ending. I think a lot of the, I think a lot of the decimation is, is in their hands. I got to look into the, the word I learned eschatology behind that. That's a fun word. It is. (laughs) So the four archangels that kind of saw all of this chaos happening was Raphael or Raphael, depending on, you know, which text you're reading. He, him, he was the angel of justice, fairness, harmony, redemption, vengeance. And pizza. What? <laughs> oh, <laughs> didn't catch that reference. Really? <laughs> really? 
Hawaiian pizza. <laughs> um, oh my God, how amazing. Mm. And uh, his role was to watch over the world of man, which arguably, I mean, most of the angels were doing that anyway. Yeah. So he wasn't super unique in that way. No, no offense. Then we have Uriel, who was gender fluid and kind of feminine humanoid in appearance. Angel of wisdom, retribution, light, fire, salvation, repentance, generosity, patience, absoluteness, secrets, clarity, sacrament of confirmation, and also is the one to warn Noah of the flood that is going to occur. He's snitching on God, too. Actually, I think God sent him down. God sent, sent him down. down th- sent them down. Yeah. Yes, them. Yes. They them. them. They them. Sent them down to go tell Noah, like, hey. Give him a heads up. Yeah. Go build a boat. Real fast. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm in sure. modern times we would call that schizophrenia. <laughs> <laughs> we would. Oh, that's another interesting thing I was um, seeing in some videos. Uh, they were talking about how specifically the conversation was about Nephilim. And what people were saying is that those who said they saw Nephilim were either lying about it because they were too afraid to conquer a group of people in order to take their land or that they were schizophrenic or had some type of mental illness. I've also heard that schizophrenia has been blamed for other things that were happening at the time, like surrounding those conversations. I'll have to let my brain remember that. A quick sidebar and I have to look this up because I, I can't remember where I heard this. I was watching some video. It was a guy who, so he did a study and scanned the brains of people with schizophrenia and there's like a specific portion that tends to be more active and he then reached out to a bunch of spiritual leaders and asked to scan their brains and they tend to have that area more lit up than the average population i don't know how large a sample size was but there's always been a small part of me that's like do they just have a connection like a, a foot between two planes and that's why they're experiencing these things. And I, I just thought either that or you're more likely to be schizophrenic if you're super like at the head of a religion. That's interesting. Right? Yeah. yeah. Well, in other cultures, so say in America, um, somebody that has prophecies or they're talking about things like on a different plane of existence yeah. and they it seems really out of this world in a lot of ways. Yeah. We would, in some scenarios, say that they may have schizophrenia, mm-hmm. but in other cultures, they are prophets. Yeah. Like often throughout history, I think people who were born unique, I mean, not to say that things were better back then, because also a lot of the times if you're born unique, you're left on a cliff to die. So, you know, there's there's some good and bad to that. But gender fluid people and hermaphrodites and um, oftentimes, like you said, people with, with schizophrenia were appreciated for their differences and kind of seen as blessed rather than Yeah, they cursed. were a problem to society yeah. like you would be here in the U.S. Yeah. Because you're you're an other, you're different. Yep. Yeah. Interesting. I have to look up that study. Yes. I'll try and find it and share it again. I don't know how large a sample size was. It was, I think it was a recommended YouTube video. And, and overall the impression I got was that this guy was just trying to prove something. And that to me automatically is a red flag as far as the legitimacy. Like, are you trying to, you should be looking for an answer, but if you're trying to prove something in your research, then I think that affects the legitimacy of the research. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, You know, you have your variables when you're doing a scientific study and um, having bias, the point is to remove it. Yes. So that would be interesting to see. Yeah. I I would like to look. 
Yeah, it was very, wow. and not anyways, back to your, your angels. I just, I found that, um, that made me think of that and I wanted to share it. So I'm glad you did, but also I'm kind of scared. <laughs> I don't know if it means that. So the impression I got from this guy was he was saying that he was looking at it as a positive and saying okay. that essentially if you have schizophrenia, you might just have a higher spiritual connection. Okay. Um, to me, maybe it doesn't mean that, <laughs> but I don't, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Very interesting. Yeah, there's something to be said. I'll talk a little bit about it towards the end, just about Nephilim in general. There are some very interesting deep dives that I've done and people believe that Nephilim are still in power to this day. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, like I even saw a connection. I don't want to I don't want to take I don't know if you saw this too, but like a connection between Nephilim and like the um Illuminati, the lizard people. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. And it's like I mean, you know what? People always find a way to tie that shit together in a neat little bow. Yep. Full it's circle. Yep. Always comes back mm-hmm. to the list. And it kind of takes the legitimacy away from it. Like Nephilim's still here. All right. <laughs> They're the lizard people. Hillary Clinton is one. I saw her unzip her suit. Okay. <laughs> the lizards are listening to they us. Are. But yeah, back to uh, <laughs> the archangels. So next we have Michael. He, him. He was the angel of justice, fate, destiny, humility, the military, faith, and of wedding people, I guess. And he was asked, why are you giggling? I just thought, I just, <laughs> well, A, I was giggling because wedding of people probably. Um, well, I don't know. Just, but also, I just think it's funny that like, I've always seen Michael as like the scary kind of mean angel. Yeah. Um, that's the the vibe I've always gotten from him is that he's like not- that already. Not empathetic, very cut or dry, like the kind of guy that would like- The justice Lob part. off your hand if you stole a loaf of bread kind of dude, doesn't matter why. Oh, um, like Hammurabi style. Yeah. I almost get maybe a little Vlad the Impaler vibe from him. We're going to go with Ooh. that. Um, because Vlad was very justice oriented, but- I also think it's funny that humility, military, and wedding are all lumped under the same angel because I feel like all of those things are just, they don't mesh. No, well. they don't. It is very interesting what he oversees and yeah. what he represents in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. I don't want to say this name wrong. Uh, <laughs> so basically, Michael was asked by God to give the bad news to, I have Semjaza. Hang on. I think that's one of the ones that I... He was the leader. Didn't I think it's Sam Yaza. If I'm wrong, people will correct me, but I'm fairly certain a lot of the names that I looked up when I was looking up how to pronounce them, a lot of the J's were like yays. Yes. Basically. Yeah. Yay. Yay. Sam yeah. I could be I could be <laughs> totally wrong, but No, yeah. I think you're right about that. So Michael was asked by God to give the bad news to Sam Yaza that he and the rest of the fallen watchers would be wiped from the earth along with their Nephilim offspring and all of the sins that they've committed. Just cleanse the earth. And then we have Gabriel, who is also gender fluid, but male in appearance, angel of faith, kindness, creation, destruction, temperance, <laughs> revelations, messages, water, motherhood, butterflies, and chastity. It's very yin and yang, these angels. Right? Yeah. Just like Michael. And it is believed that he helped Michael kill the Nephilim. So yeah, that's very faith, kindness, and creation of you, Gabriel. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that juxtaposition of like all these beautiful things and then the destruction piece, it's a lot. And also Revelations, which is the end of times. Yeah. And then I just want to give quick honorable mentions to uh, Yophael. She, her, she is the angel of love, beauty, art, artists, creativity, interior decorators, hmm. but also constructs armor and weapons for other angels. So not humans, angels. 
Interesting. Yeah, very interesting. And then we have Camiel, the angel of fire, rage, strength, courage, war, charity. And yeah, <laughs> again, again <Okay. laughs> there's a very yin and yang situation, <laughs> yeah. light and dark, whatever going on. He helped to expel Adam and Eve from the Garden of Eden. He led like that whole plot. Yeah. That situation. And then we have Zagkiel. It's he, him, angel of righteousness, freedom, benevolence, forgiveness, which is all sweet and in the same wheelhouse. Yeah. But I did want to note one other archangel. This one is a fallen angel, like way before the flood happened. Hmm. So prior to this, his name was Hillel, and he was the angel of light, desire, free will, pride, the sun, stars, the morning star, and the moon. His oopsie, which is a great word I've seen you (laughs) sprinkle in here, um, was not bowing down before Adam and Eve, who were created in God's perfect image, because Mm. he believed I was created from fire and they were created from dirt. Yeah. So, or clay. Yeah. Therefore, he was expelled from heaven and you may know him by his fallen name, Lucifer or Satan. Coming to you from his asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Straight from his asshole. (laughs) Satan. Satan. <laughs> but yeah, I wanted to give him an honorable mention because I wow. mean, I think he's pretty important in the grand scheme of things, but all of this stuff happened prior. Yeah. I would love to know his thoughts on the flood. Yeah. I mean, he didn't like mankind, so maybe he was he was all for it. And um Oh, I'm sure he was laughing and eating popcorn watching all of this <laughs> shit go down. Yeah. I oh, what a cute cartoon. Yeah. 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 <laughs> wow. But also we have like a pretty comprehensive list of demons or no, not demons, fallen angels, bad watchers. I'm getting mixed up because I'm hearing a lot from um, like YouTube and different videos I've been watching and podcasts I was listening to been hearing the fallen watchers and Nephilim called demons quite a lot. Yes. Which is that a bastardization? No, I don't think so. So fallen angels are very, very typically like there's a lot of belief that demons are just fallen angels. Okay. Um, So that that's a pretty common go-to belief, but also the Nephilim, the giants, they are considered demons. So when, when the giants die because they are half immortal and half mortal their immortal half is basically cursed and they they, because they're not heavenly they're cursed to roam earth forever as demons oh so in in a way both i think can accurately be described as demons so it's all true at the same time in in a way yeah depending on on your interpretation i mean it's even like the devil is kind of considered a demon of sorts or the father of demons or the king of demons um so yeah it's just kind of like the fallen angel daddy demon daddy Oh God, it's too easy now. (laughs) I don't know. Do we want to read the list? Do we want to popcorn around? We'll go over a few because there's some of these names are really interesting. I tried to look up pronunciations of some of them. It's hard. Yes. Um, And we have our English native tongues, which are not capable of really. We can just like pick through like the fun ones. Yeah. I like. Because there's a lot. There. Yes. I mean, (laughs) so the, the full list of 200 isn't listed in the book of Enoch, but there are a lot of different fallen watchers that are covered and the things that they share with mm-hmm. mankind. Yeah. The first one on our list. Good luck. Urukai Baramil. We're going to call him Urukai <laughs> um, because the first few letters of his name are Urukai. And when I first saw his name, I desperately want to know if <laughs> that was an influence in 
the creation of Urukai in Lord of the Rings. Yes. Because it's Tolkien. pretty much spelled <laughs> almost identically. It is. Yeah. So he, I mean, he didn't have anything super special about him. He was just a, a follower who went down and made love to human woman. Yeah. I have some notes about how many of them were, you know, there's nothing in particular about yeah. them and what they gifted to mankind, but that they were followers Yeah, that came down from Mount Hermon. Is yeah. that how you pronounce yeah. it? Yeah. So there's a specific term, like the actual name of Mount Hermon. And I don't, I don't think I wrote it down because I, I figured Mount Hermon would be. It would suffice. Yeah. Um, but there's, so there's a, a technical accurate term of the mountain, but we're going to go with Mount Hermon. If you're familiar with the Bible, you, okay. or I mean, you know what Mount Hermon is. From what I read, that's where the pact was made. It is. Yeah. So it's like they made the pact and then they're like, down the hill. Yep, let's go. <laughs> you know, they just like kind of <laughs> went for it. Yeah. We have Arachiel, taught the signs of the earth. Tamiel, taught astrology and was also a follower. Obviously, all these guys went down the mountain. Danel or Daniel. Daniel. <laughs> uh, taught signs of the sun. We have Samyaz, the one that you mentioned earlier. He also taught signs of the sun. Another name that they're known by is um, Sam Seville. Ah, um, I love that name. Th- yes, they're, they're the leader, essentially, uh, yes. that, that got everyone to do it. Interestingly, a lot of the names that are listed, they're listed as what their name is, and then, then that it is a corruption of another name. So like Turiel, which is a corruption of Tamiel. Ah, uh, um, yeah. Which is interesting. I don't know. I didn't do a full digging into this to know if like these names are their names post-corruption. So if they had an angel name and then it was corrupted into something else when they fell. <gasps> I don't know. That's just oh, like. Oh, I was wondering if it was like how it was interpreted over time. Yeah, which is also. But that yeah. is interesting. Just like how, you know, Lucifer is the fallen name for Hillel sort of thing. Yeah. I didn't think about it that way, but you're right. It could be a corruption after the fallen. Yeah. Hmm. Kind of like, I mean, a lot of the times if you integrate yourself into a religion, you get a different name. I mean, I know oh, yeah. like, Catholics have their baptized name, right? Yes. Yeah. And I know I that a lot of the times when people convert to Islam, they have a new name. And even on the occult side of things, a lot of the times occultists will have their occult name. That's cool. Yeah. It's super interesting. Just kind of like a metamorphosis into whatever it is that your beliefs are because names have power. So kind of taking, you know, giving yourself a new name. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's just like a, in all the demonic possession movies, uh, the demons inhabiting the person don't want to give you their name. And if you find out what their name is, it's like a problem. Yeah. (laughs) I I, I don't know. You're just like, yeah. (laughs) So interesting. Your name is is bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Listen here, bitch. (laughs) Get out. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Let me show you the door. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, there's uh, Anani. Mm-hmm. And this is possibly the angel of storms. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But then we have Azazel, but there's another name here for Azazel. We've talked about this. Yeah, How a- many Azazel, names? Yeah, there's so many different names for Azazel. Yep. Maker of weapons and makeup or teacher of such. Let's see. What is one of the... Ooh, okay. Hold on. So there's this one that I found and I was like, that's cool. So I believe it's pronounced Kazdea, but may also be Tamil, Tumiel, Kazdeya, but with a J. This fallen angel taught men how to smite spirits and demons, the strikes of the soul, bites of a serpent, and the art of abortion. He was known to put humans in a dream state of their perfect heaven. What a weird combination of things to 
Also, I get a little bit of that. We discussed this in the Azazel episode about the correlation between the Gregory, the Watchers and the Islamic Jinn. Yes. And I know that it is a common, um, I don't know how faithful this is to the original story of the Jinn, but that it is a very common thing, especially in pop culture, that Jinn are capable of putting people into a dreamlike state in order to get what they want from them. Oh, duh. Have you ever seen the horror movie, The Wishmaster? I'm sorry. I relate to people through horror (laughs) movies. The Wishmaster. I think that was like kind of a vibe in there. And it was all about a demonic spirit. Yeah. The djinn. It's Um, like, whoa. yeah, I just, cause I know it's the same. Um, like you mentioned, you know, Lucifer not wanting to bow down to man because we're made of clay and he's made of fire. And then, you know, the djinn are creatures made of ash and fire. I mean, there's a lot of correlations between the two beings, but that specifically kind of makes me think of that because I mean, you know, the purveyor of all factual supernatural information, this TV show, supernatural, the djinn in that show, they will put people in a dreamlike state in order to consume their life. Basically they'll so, drink their blood. Really keeping true to the lore. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, That's and, cool. I mean, they also, there are two types of djinn too. I mean, to be honest, if you're going to put me in a dream where I live my dream life and in my head, it's a lifetime. You can have my blood. I don't care. I don't, you know, whatever. I think that's a win for everyone involved. That's what they do on the show. So they'll put them in, they'll like get to experience their life and, but they, you know, they die. They drink blood over a few days. Um, but in your head, it's like a different thing, but there's two different types of gin in Supernatural because there's also <laughs> the gin that feed off of fear. So they put you in a nightmare. Ew, ew. Yeah. Oh, I hate that. Yeah. I have no idea. I, from the little research I did on the gin from like classical texts, I didn't get a lot of the impression that that's something that they did. Yeah. Um, I think that might be a more modern take on it. That bit of, you know, putting them in a dream state of their perfect heaven I makes mean, me want to do a little more research into that. It's got to be, there's got to be something to it. Some there's definitely a huge correlation between the fallen watchers and the gin. Huh. So I really got to watch that show. It's what so am I good. waiting for? It's, it's such a, <laughs> <laughs> so I found two, there are two books. So in Supernatural, there are these handbooks that they have, you know, yeah. the hunter's manuals basically that tell you about all the different I've monsters. seen them in gifts. Yes. So they have <laughs> these, there are paperback versions of these books you can actually buy. Oh, that's cool. Um, one's by Bobby Singer's book. So if you're familiar with the show, it's Bobby Singer's hunter's manual. And then there's their father's hunter's manual. I found both of those books in our new age spiritual section in the bookstore. <laughs> Granted, if you don't know it's a TV show and you just see Supernatural. Yeah, but I was just going to ask you who sorted those, but I have no idea. The lay person may not know. Yeah. A dirtling might. Yes. Yes. A dirtling <laughs> might. And then we have Gadriel, who taught the art of murder. And then also the use of weapons and coats of mail, not how to make them, but how to improvise oh. the use of, and could also be a corruption of Azazel. Hmm. I mean, it makes yeah, same kind of, yeah. Yeah. And then we have this one that I don't know how to pronounce, but sounds like an amoeba. Penemue? Penemue. Penemu? Penemu? Penemu. I don't know. Penemue kind of <laughs> sounds no, Hawaiian. Hmm. <laughs> I can't even do it. We're good at this. Yeah. Um, So they taught the difference between bitter and sweet and the wisdom of the art of writing. I want to mention these because they're so vastly different and very specific. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that odd? I don't know. Yeah. And then Semyaza, herbal enchantments. And then what? Oh, this one. Fucking Agiel or Agiel is responsible for allowing humans to believe in extraterrestrials. 
And this is due to their appearance. Very alien-like, not necessarily humanoid. Pictures that I've seen, they're very tall, slender, pale, uh, large eyes kind of thing. And they can also appear as an orb zooming through the sky super fast. So, alien or angel? Who knows? Supposedly, they're buried underneath the earth, but it's fine. If you're a fallen watcher, that is. You're, You're in the dirt until revelations. And then, yeah, you already went over the uh, Super 7. Oh, my God. You know the stone Super 7? The crystal? Mm-mm. I have a little baby necklace. Like, big, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Seven does <laughs> seem to be a reoccurring number in quite a few things, along with three. But I feel like I, there's a few things that kind of tie to seven. Actually, when I was up this morning, because most of my mornings consist of when I'm off drinking coffee and researching really wild shit. One of the things that I saw, which is probably basic knowledge to most people in Christianity and certain religions, is that 777 is, I don't want to say necessarily God's number, but it's above 666. Yeah. So it's like a ruling thing, a hierarchy thing. If you look at occult stuff, a lot of the times you'll see 777 is a very, very classic kind of stamp or seal on things. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's a holy number, but it has to be above Lucifer. I would imagine. Yeah, I would. Yeah. Which is, you know, six, six, six. Satan. Yeah. You have an interest. Oh, no. Did we already read about that? The interesting tidbit from the book of Enoch. Yeah. So the, here's something that I want yeah. to read going back to the Mesopotamian and Babylonian references and, and correlations. I mean, we kind of briefly mentioned the Apkalu and the Anukai. Yeah. And the Ajiji, Agigi, which are sometimes considered to be the same thing as the Anukai, but in other ones, they're considered to be servants of the Anukai. So they're considered, you know, demigods, basically these beings. But I found this incantation, which follows a ritual where you place statues of these seven sages, which are the Apkalu. So you place statues of these sages on, on the walls of your home as you repeat this incantation. Uana, who accomplishes the plans of heaven and earth. Uana Duga, who is endowed with comprehensive understanding. Enmeduga, for whom a good destiny has been decreed. Enmagalamama, who was born in a house. Very specific. Enma Buluga, who grew up in pasture land. An Enelda, the conjurer of the city of Enridu, Utuabzu, who ascended to heaven, the pure Puadu fishes, the Puadu fishes of the sea, the seven of them, the seven sages, who have originated in the river, who control the plans of heaven and earth. They control the plans of heaven yes. and earth? So this is, this is from a belief system that is not monotheistic. Play. Um, <laughs> oh, I don't know how well I can. Um, no, that's the, interesting. Yeah, the um, I want to try and get back to the the Anukai, but also so the Anukai and then the Grigori are tied together. Like frequently, uh, if you look yes. up the Anukai, which are what people considered to potentially be an influence in the creation of the Watchers of the Grigori. Okay. Um, the Anukai are the Sumerian, Assyrian, Babylonian deities. So here's some descriptions of them they're kind of they're believed to be offspring of these two different gods so again this is from a polytheistic religion Mm -hmm. um and i can't i can't find where i wrote it but there there are um comparisons between the anukai and the grigori um as as being giants and it's also interesting because there are correlations between the anukai and the grigori um you know aka the watchers to the giants um and aliens and that's something that you you had briefly mentioned 
Yeah, there, there are, I mean, if you really look at any religion, there's always one aspect or another where people are like, oh, but aliens. And this is another example where they say that these, these beings, these demigods, this seven sage seven were ancient astronauts, quote unquote, who visited earth and kind of helped create humans. We are hybrids of these ancient aliens and the like pre homo sapien creatures, homo erectus. Yeah, these conspiracy theories grow beyond, you know, just like the religious mythos into but aliens. It all boils down to but aliens. Every time we talk about our, I'm talking to someone, especially you, about (laughs) ancient civilizations and aliens always come into the picture for good reason. I think about depictions of Akhenaten who ruled in Egypt. Yeah, his big noggin. Yeah, like... But not even just that, the eyes as well. I mean, the the Egyptians, I'm obsessed with Egyptian anything, but learning about this stuff as a little kid and then looking at it in retrospect as an adult, Akhenaten and descendants like of... Anakai. Shut your mouth. <laughs> shut your mouth about that. <laughs> really does. Um, but like just the facial features in general, elongated cheekbones, eyes even that seem irregular to art that was typical at the time. Yeah. I don't know. And also honorable mention, when you look up, (laughs) look up Nephilim on TikTok or YouTube and look at the YouTube shorts, I saw a crazy one this morning, apparently, and I don't know if this is real because, you know, YouTube shorts, but there is a stone template that was discovered by a farmer in Egypt, a farmer, (laughs) a farmer in Egypt. And I don't know if the video that was in this YouTube short is video of the template or because there's kind of mention of it being like hidden away. Yeah. There's a bunch of hieroglyphics all over the goddamn thing. And there are lines about Nephilim in there, about 15 lines talking about specifically Nephilim. Very interesting. And I don't know when this came from or yeah. how this came from, but I don't, I'm getting off topic. No, I mean, I think, I think that's, that's, that's on topic. It's very, well, the Egyptians were talking about it and it was very clearly in hieroglyphics. Yeah. Like, so I don't know. There's connections to everything. It's so hard to, t- so, I mean, the, a lot of the theories behind the Nephilim and the Grigori and the Anukai being aliens that came down. It's hard to separate the, I don't want to say fact from fiction because, you know, fiction, well, to separate the fiction from the fiction. Um, <laughs> what's canon and what isn't? Yeah, maybe? because I, a lot of the a lot of the alien conspiracy theories. And while there's a lot of stuff that ties in, you know, to it being fascinating that there are very similar representations of things across cultures that never interacted. Yes. However, there's also, I think, probably a little bit of racism in the they could have never built those pyramids all on their own when there's quite a lot of evidence that they could and could have and did. Yeah, um, I, I agree. So it's kind of hard to like, <laughs> you want to buy into it because that's a lot of fun, but then you also want to be like, we can't just because, you know. Yes, it's way more fun to believe yeah. that. Oh, well, um, I was correcting myself because of a Reddit thread the other night. Um, non-humans <laughs> created the pyramids and such. Yeah, that's way more fun. But at the same time, you kind of are knocking down literal civilizations when you do that. So yeah. You be careful. Also, apparently aliens don't like to be called alien. They prefer terms like non-human. Oh, well, you know what? If you come <laughs> down and say that to us, then I'll stop. Well, supposedly it might have happened. <laughs> Didn't happen to me. You know where I live. <laughs> you know Probably, where I live. presumably. Do we want to kind of talk about the timeline regarding the fall? 
like a little bit of the specifics. Yeah. So in the book of Enoch, section two, chapters eight through 11, after witnessing the devastation that the watchers committed against humanity, quote unquote, God had it and said, screw this. He showed up and demanded that Uriel warn the son of Lamech, who is Noah. Yes, that Noah, the one with the ark that he was about to wreak havoc upon the earth in order to cleanse it with a flood. And God also made Uriel tell Noah that his seed would remain on the earth whole. And it's kind of a weird way to say that he gets to live, but okay. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> God really likes to talk about seed. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's not use the word seed a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a rundown of kind of what happened in order, according to the book of Enoch. He wants to take out all of his rage on Azazel, saying that everything was his fault because he led by example and all the rest. Exactly. Which is why I'm so shocked. I wrote that sentence (laughs) and I'm just now making that realization that he was the literal scapegoat. Because supposedly, I believe it was Semyaza or a variation of that name. Semyaza was the leader. Yes. Yes. But Azazel got the blame. Maybe he ran down the hill first. Mountain. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, the rest of the watchers, they just followed suit. So God declared that all the sins would be ascribed to Azzy. And he instructs Raphael to literally tie Azazel up and bring him out into the desert of Dudael, shove him in a hole and cover him with sharp rocks and darkness, whatever that means to be covered up in darkness. I would imagine he buried him. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And this is where he should remain until the great day of judgment. And this is the day in which Azazel would be cast into the fire, meaning hell. And I think that sounds way more fun than eternal pointy dirt pit. Yeah. Um, I guess he got a little better than Prometheus. Yeah. Tied to a rock to have a vulture pick out your liver every day. Oh, God. Ow. Yeah. Ow. That sounds very Greek to me. It's like so Greek. Greek mythology-esque. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um. <laughs> And then he also made Raphael announce that God himself would heal the earth and not all of the sons of men would be destroyed, which is interesting because I have also heard and read that supposedly the Watchers did such a good job of infiltrating humanity and mating with mortal women and also teaching forbidden knowledge to humans that the only people that were not sullied by the Watchers were Noah's family. And that's why Noah got to live. Interesting. But this here is coming from the book of Enoch and saying that not all men would die. But does that mean other men and their families or does that mean just Noah and his? Because he specifically told Noah. I kind of get. Give me a second. To come up with the word because my brain's not. Um, Same. I had a non-stress gummy earlier. I've been eating those. They're from Ollie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't um, know if they work. It's <laughs> <laughs> good to eat a gummy. <laughs> Um, love bombing. I kind of get the vibe. I mean, if you read any kind of biblical text, oh God is an abusive parent and he love bombs. So he'll be like, I'm going to butcher this entire, this entire town, salt the earth so nothing can grow there. Whoa. But I love you. Or, you know, him saying, I'm going to heal the earth after I beat the fuck out of it. <laughs> like, that's just so like, I just... You know, it's the same vibe as like you're dating someone who slaps you and then they come home with flowers. And love bombing is... But I only did it because you upset me. (gasps) Oh, that's so manipulative. Yeah. What the hell, God? Wow. See, I love your perspective on things because you put it, you paint it in such a light that I'm like, oh, how come the fuck I didn't (laughs) think about that? That's a... 
That's fucked up. It's, a, it's an ongoing joke in Supernatural that God is a deadbeat dad. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. Kind of blowing my mind. But yeah, that's what he did. Yeah. He said not all men would die, but the interpretation of that, I mean, maybe it is just Noah's family. We don't know. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, most of this is just up for grabs as far as interpretation goes. Yeah. And whatever you kind of want that direction to be yeah. for the story. Yeah. And whether you want Nephilim and Watchers to be considered evil things yeah, or it, good things. It really depends on, I mean, because I feel like it's very easy to take this tale and cast it in the light of God's an asshole. He creates these beings and he wants total control over them. And then when he loses that control, he has a fit and then afterwards apologizes. And it's like, but I, you know, I forgive you for you not being the way that I want you to be. Just yeah. God's an asshole. Very controlling. Yeah. Very, very manipulative. Manipulative asshole. <laughs> it's my way or the highway. Yeah. And you, and not taking responsibility. You created the watchers. You left the watchers. You know what? If I, if I have children and I hire a babysitter and the babysitter doesn't watch the children and the children color on the walls, I'm not going to drown the children. <laughs> Take some responsibility. You created the Watchers. You let the Watchers do as they... Are you telling me that for generations, God didn't notice the Watchers contaminating mankind? Yeah. Uh, I mean... Deadbeat dad. Deadbeat dad vibes. Well, he's an all-knowing being, Mm -hmm. correct? Yep. Omniscient, omnipresent. Yeah. How would he not know? Yeah. Just saying. Also, like the four archangels that tattled. I mean, did they really tattle? Also, aren't they the reason for the flood? Because they could have kept their fucking mouth shut. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Yeah. And they didn't. So I think that that family needs to get their shit worked out. <laughs> Maybe get some therapy. God and his archangels. Sometimes, sometimes you got to cut family members off, you know, and sometimes that family member is God. Yeah. Sometimes it is. Yep. <laughs> Things to think about. <laughs> Things to think about for sure. <laughs> We'll get the cups. <laughs> um, so then he... Uh, you ended with um, Raphael saying yeah. God would heal Earth. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. And then I was like, wait a second, did I miss something? Sorry, I took us, I took us down a different path. <laughs> no, we went down Mount Hermon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, not all of the men would be destroyed by the knowledge or because of the knowledge that the Watchers gave humankind and that knowledge also being taught to their sons. But again... We're talking about probably Noah and his family and not everyone else. Because isn't Noah, wasn't he the only one that technically lived as far I as humans? So. Yeah. Yeah. So mm, <laughs> you you made a general statement, but you really only meant this one thing, yeah. which is misleading. So then God went to Gabriel and told him to annihilate the Watchers and their children and other castaways, meaning people that were also guilty of committing the sins and using the forbidden knowledge that the watchers taught them. And when I say annihilate the salt children, the <laughs> yeah, salt the earth. What they ended up doing to the Nephilim children was Gabriel sent them far away from anyone else to destroy each other by means of murder. And I'm also pretty sure from some of the sources that I read, cannibalism was involved. And uh, Gabriel, if you were there and stuck around to watch, let us know. Yep. So uh, next, God moved on to Michael and he fucking, (laughs) he told him to do so much shit. It was very demanding. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Do your own work, God. (laughs) No, um, apparently all of these archangels are his minions, Mm -hmm. but he told Michael to go to Semyaza and break the news to him that his 
200 watchers that committed all the sins with him, taught the forbidden knowledge, mated with the mortal women, tell them that the party was over basically, and that their sins would be exterminated and all of their contamination. And that is very like pest sounding yeah. to me, like treating them yeah. <laughs> like uh, Michael's the exterminator yeah. or something. <laughs> it's very <laughs> weird. Round up in the yard. Yeah. Calling yeah. them like basically vermin. Yeah. Then after being forced to watch their own children slaughter each other or be slaughtered by Gabriel, Michael was told to pull a uh, Raphael and bind those watchers as they did Azazel and bury them too under the earth for 70 generations until the day of judgment when Azazel will be thrown into hell. Definite war crime. Yeah, definite war crime there. And they too would burn in hell together for all of eternity. And that is like kind of a cute little reunion moment. Oh, I yeah. Hope. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're sending all like family to get to yeah, your together, brethren. together in hell. Yeah. Yeah. So you can burn together, not alone. Uh- <laughs> True true friends burned together. (laughs) Oh, this is terrible. Uh, (laughs) So God kept harping on Michael, telling him to kill all the souls of lust and the children of the watchers. Make up your mind already, God. Like, how much more do you want him to be doing? He claimed that once everything that oppressed mankind was destroyed, then all wicked deeds would cease and that justice and righteousness would take place again and in joy forever. So there wouldn't be anything bad anymore. Everything would be blessed and pure and full of joy. Apparently. I love oppressed being the term that is used here. Oppressed because it's like mankind. I think the oppression <clears throat> is coming from <laughs> elsewhere. The yeah. call is coming from inside the house is what I'm saying. <gasps> the call is coming from inside the house. <laughs> yeah, that's a very interesting choice of words. Hot meat kettle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, hot meat kettle. <laughs> Um, And then God continued his tangent and started saying all these things like the earth would be brimming with a lot, like a lot of plants and vines and trees and everything, a blessing and abundant with simple pleasures like fruit and olive oil, a fuck ton of olive oil. And essentially, I think what he meant was that the earth would once again be pure and bountiful, a place where humans created in his image would once again find happiness pretty much want for nothing. It kind of reminds me of when Adam and Eve were first created, how beautiful and bountiful everything was, as long as they didn't touch, you know, certain things. Yeah. The the lush plant life and having that stuff is is considered the good and and desert. I think in almost every religion, desert is associated with hell and evil, which makes sense if you're looking at it from a very clinical standpoint, because it's barren. you can't survive in the desert, really. No, um, you need to have some oasis or, or a form of lush life. So, yeah. Yeah. So that kind of makes sense to me. And then after his rant was over, God made a promise. And this was something I didn't know. And for some reason, it kind of piqued my interest. And the earth will be cleansed of all corruption and all sin and all punishment and all torment. And I will never again send a flood upon it from generation to generation to eternity. I like to think that I am amongst the free thinkers out there myself, but I find it somewhat comforting that God only wanted to flood the earth this one time. And as for round two, I think we're doing a phenomenal job ourselves with global warming. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, (laughs) he won't flood it again. Next time it'll be fire. (laughs) Oh shit. Oh, that's right. Oh shit. Oh no. 
I think that's that way was worse. That is not the soothing thing. That is way worse. That is no longer soothing. Yeah, we're think. already on our way to that one. On it that, with fire. Yeah. That, the genie's <laughs> out of the bottle on that one. Genies are a uh, bastardization of gin. Yes. Um. So that made a whole lot of sense. And yeah. now I'm thinking about that very Fire's strongly. Fire's on its way. Fire demons. Uh, Canada Great. and California are in trouble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they- they're the first to go. I know. Did you see that? Like major insurance carriers are pulling out of California and Florida. Fuck out of here. Are they really? Should be raising a million red flags, y'all. We are in trouble. Climate change is real. Shit's getting real. If the insurance they're, companies they're refusing to insure new homes, listen going forward. They're being proactive by because, pulling out. Actually. Because it's not a safe place to be. No. It's either going to be all on fire, which is probably the first thing that will yeah. happen, but it's also going to sink into the ocean at some point. Yeah. What the fuck? Yep. It was a very quiet withdrawal, but yeah, I, I wish I could remember the names. It, it's some major insurance carriers. Um, the UN actually wrote an article about it on their blog did, site. Did you say that this was like homeowners insurance or just... I believe it's just property. So they're, they're uh, refusing to insure insurance. new homes going forward. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess you can't really blame them if they're reading the cards. It's tough because it's kind of like um, it's New up. Orleans where it's like, yeah. it's a beautiful place. I understand why people want to live there. It's got fantastic history. But at the same time, yep. you're living in a place that is guaranteed to have catastrophic weather happen. Oh, yeah. And it's kind of like... I don't know. I'm not blaming the insurance companies on this. I'm just saying that people need to pay attention because those are warning bells going off that some, oh, like things definitely. need to be fixed and, and need to change because. That makes me wonder about, you know, Tornado Alley and insurance companies. Yeah. Where that is. I never really thought about it because being where we are, we don't have anything crazy going on as far as weather goes. There's Flooding this summer has been a lot of flooding, but well, that's yeah. like hundred year floodplains. It's not like, yeah, we don't get the kind of stuff where you see on the news, you know, 80 people dead after. No, like, and that our just doesn't earthquakes happen. are super tiny. And yeah. then to the point that sometimes I think we're having an earthquake when I'm at work, but actually they're just blasting at the quarry. Yeah. <laughs> kind of dumb yeah like yeah. nothing's gonna get knocked over no in an earthquake here. you can't come here for a thrill man no <laughs> no unless you like freezing to death that's the only real weather <laughs> danger we have here and then come one come all <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh my gosh so um i kind of ended that with uh how this made me feel that the fall of the watchers and their nephilim babies and yeah. the rest of mankind that took on the knowledge, the forbidden knowledge. Yeah. It feels like a cautionary tale about selfishness and greed and lust, maybe. Yeah. But then also it could just be a warning that with great power comes great responsibility. A good man once yeah. said, Uncle Ben. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also like maybe don't flaunt being a know-it-all just so you can get with mortal yeah. women and then maybe also the dudes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and flood or no flood, all of these supposed sins and so much more that we have Still today, like yeah. we still have all of these things that God was trying to prevent with the flood. Yeah. So, I mean, what happened there? Because I'm reading some things about Nephilim yeah. potentially surviving mm-hmm. and passing those things along or even watchers surviving yeah. and not actually being buried in the earth and walking amongst us today. Yeah. What really is that? I don't know. So my connection with this tale, first of all, the vibe I get from this version of God is like, 
You know, when you have the boss who can't confront anyone directly, so they either send someone else to confront someone who's having issues or they send out one of those emails being like, to whoever is doing X, Y, and Z when it's only targeting one person. I'm feeling attacked. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I don't like to make people feel bad. (laughs) I imagine you do it differently than than the version that I am speaking of. I am a work in progress. Um, The version that I am speaking of is someone who just talks smack about employees who are doing things they don't like um, to other employees, but won't confront them directly and just kind of have a very roundabout way of trying well, you're to not resolve gonna, things. You're not going to get anywhere doing that. It, it, it makes you like, if you're complaining to employees about other employees on a regular basis, it kind of reduces the trust that staff have because yep, it's like, so the vibe I'm getting from God is like this passive aggressive, like, I'm not going to tell mankind that they're doing anything wrong. You go do it for me. Oh, that's like the ultimate. Yeah, he's just being a passive aggressive boss. And also I'm seeing again, bringing it back to Prometheus in the tale. The reason Zeus did not want mankind to have access to fire and these things, partially because it was his pure toy, but also because there was a fear of creating your own destruction. And so basically the gods were afraid that mankind would reach a point where they no longer needed the gods, which, you know, kind of looking at the way the world has progressed in a way we have moved down to a point where we don't need these gods. We don't need to like say a prayer for healing because we have medicine and, and, you know, so that this forbidden knowledge was not to protect mankind, but that it was to protect the power that God has or gods have. I didn't think about it that way. So Zeus was angry at Prometheus for doing this because he was taking power from Zeus essentially and giving mankind that information. So I kind of get the same vibe from this, that like maybe the reason the knowledge was forbidden wasn't because it was hurting mankind, but because it was taking power from God. Because God's all-knowing. He knows all of this stuff. And if God is also exclusively good and God knows all of those things, then that probably means those things aren't actually bad. That's a good point. Also, Zeus was like, I don't know, I probably shouldn't say that, but he was a little bitch about oh, some things. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like very selfish. Epitome of greed. If you look at really any tales of like when we're saying, oh, like these gods or that god or whatever made mankind in their image and likeness, we're creating gods in our image and likeness. And that's why that they're so flawed and human-like. And that's why, I mean, God has a rage issue. The King James Version, Old Testament God has wow. some rage problems for sure. That's such an interesting thing to think about because you would imagine that they would be this perfect being or entity, whatever they are. But no, they're just like us. Yeah. Because we created it. We made it. Probably. <laughs> Who knows? Um, and then I just kind of want to touch on the Nephilim a little bit. Yeah. The Nephilim, like we've been saying, are demigods. They are born from a watcher or an archangel of some kind. Um, well, actually, no, not technically. Technically, that's a thing I will touch on afterward about archangels having babies because they too have Nephilim, but they're a little bit different. So the word Nephilim, it's a loose Hebrew translation into giants, but also it could possibly mean something to the effect of those that cause others to fall down or fallen. Yeah. Yeah. So um, and these are demigods, half human, mortal mommy, yep. and then you have half divine fallen angel daddy. Also, these beings are typically enormous in stature. And generally you'll see it is written that they're 15 to 20 feet tall, but there are stories of Nephilim being hundred to 200 feet tall, which you could consider to be Titans or yeah. Kaijus. 
Um, and that is something we can just touch on in another episode. Oh, yeah. Lots of pop culture Giant there. Beings. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Attack on Titan. I mean, come on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or Neon Genesis Evangelion, for sure. Yeah. I also want to note that in the book of Enoch, it states great giants whose height was 300 cubits and a cubit being 18 inches or 46 centimeters tall. This would make them 450 feet tall, which is insane. Yeah. But also makes me picture Titans. Yeah. Like, you know, Absolutely. of that height. And it is a belief that their height is proportional to the amount of power that they hold. A mortal body cannot contain that kind of power. Yeah. Which is why it is believed that they are rageful and full of destruction because they're enormous in size, which I feel like is kind of rude to just assume. <laughs> but Not you know, all big people. <laughs> yeah. And then there is also reason to believe that Nephilim are much more kind and not full of rage and liking to destroy and just eat everything in their path, which is what Genesis 6 states that they like to do. This could be because there are Nephilim born from archangels and they are not born as giants. They tend to look more human. They have more control and can kind of wield their power because archangels are so pure and have not fallen. Whereas the fallen watchers that created Nephilim babies, it was almost like there was some dark seed within them already. And then they literally put that in a mortal woman and then that's what you get. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Who knows? Oh, also what I found interesting, although the Nephilim of the fallen watchers were all said to have been destroyed by each other or perished in the flood or Gabriel or Michael fucked them up. It is believed that some survived the flood due to their height and literally could not oh be my drowned. God. Yeah, which is hilarious. Can you imagine? You're just oh, like a bobbing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also Nephilim are technically somewhat mortal. So they have lungs. They yeah. can drown, whatever. Yep. They're not fully divine. Yeah. So they could succumb to anything that would normally kill a human. And I wanted to make a note that one of these giants may have been Goliath. His ancestry is majorly disputed. In book one of Samuel, it states that he was the giant of Philistine or Egyptian descent. Yeah. But Goliath may have been born from Anakim, who are a race of giants in the Hebrew Bible. It is said that in the King James Bible that Moses, he sent spies out to Canaan. There were 12 of them and they were looking for bountiful land to find like food and whatever. Yeah. When they came back to Moses... They told him that there were giants out there. There were these three brothers yeah. that were fucking enormous and that they felt like grasshoppers in their wake. Again, were these just like big dudes that were working out all the time? So it made him feel tiny. Yeah. And they didn't want to go kill them or they wanted an excuse to not go out into that land to gather more food for some yeah. reason. Or were there literal giants out there? We simply do not know. Yeah. But what they did do was claimed to Moses that these giants they claimed to have seen in southern Israel were Nephilim. And this was after the flood. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it makes a great flood. I think we can historically say it is almost certain that a great flood did happen mm-hmm. because it is referred to in so many different cultures. Yeah. And there so is evidence. Something happened. Yeah. But I mean, feasibly speaking, I mean, I guess you either got to take all of us or take none of it. But feasibly speaking, I doubt the flood really filled the whole earth. No. So I'm sure it was more metaphorical, like most things in the Bible. But I think it makes sense that these, you know, beings continued onward. Yeah. You always have to have a protagonist and an antagonist. 
can't kill all the antagonists. That's what doesn't makes... make for a good story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It doesn't make for a good story. And one of the things I wanted to touch on with Nephilim in particular and some cultural significance today, because I never heard of Nephilim. Like I knew about them, just didn't hear the name until we first started talking about Azazel and we started this podcast. Yeah. Well, there are some fringe religions. And from what I've read, they are evangelical Christians. And a lot of this has to do with eschatology, which is the scientific study of the end of times. So they are propagating the idea that scientists are currently trying to reconstruct Nephilim DNA and bring back the giants. It made me wonder if this is because we would like to do the same thing to woolly mammoths. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. And um, Dunklesaurus. Yeah. Dunklesaurus. No, fuck that. <laughs> it's fine. They probably wouldn't live anywhere near here. They probably, I'm, I bet they're saltwater. That's cute. I know people with saltwater pools, apparently. I don't know. That's yeah, a thing. I imagine um, it's better for you than chlorine, probably. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm hearing. And yeah. it keeps itself clean, I guess. Yeah. I don't know if that's true. I just bumped my mic. Boop. Um, this group of people, they're known as the Nephilim resistance movement. And they are people that believe that the reconstruction of Nephilim DNA will corrupt human genes in a way that removes the possibility of salvation, which will also create the superhuman being known as the Antichrist. I know I've heard of things where the Antichrist will walk the earth yeah. around the time of like the day of judgment or whatever. Yeah. But that is a new thing. I never thought about the Antichrist being a Nephilim. A yeah. Demon human hybrid of some kind. I believe it is in Supernatural. Is it? Mm -hmm. Well, maybe they're prophetic in like the Simpsons kind of way. I mean, way. it kind of <laughs> makes sense as far as like, I believe the Antichrist in Supernatural is a child of Lucifer and a human, which would be a Nephilim, mm -hmm. but also still Lucifer specific. Ah, yeah. okay. Yeah. I've never done much research into how the accuracy behind supernatural because i'm sure they take plenty of creative liberties on mythos on things but god i hope um, so <laughs> i do i do like that they include creatures from all sorts of different cultures and stuff it's very very fun yeah that's the same reason i loved like buffy the vampire slayer and angel like you know yeah. and all that yeah jazz but uh their whole thing is they believe that archaeological evidence of the race of giants of nephilim has been suppressed when you go and you look up nephilim Proof, yeah, whatever, or proof of giants and whatnot. A lot of what you end up finding is that there are bones being discovered in different civilizations and areas of the world where at the time it wasn't right. Like China is actually a great example. There was a burial site that was found and there are remains of those that are, you know, a couple inches taller than yeah. what people would have been at that time. And yeah. that's what they're calling giants. Yeah. One of the articles is from National Geographic and it would not let me scroll down because when I scroll down, a page would scroll up and yeah. tell me to subscribe and yeah. sign up. And I was like, stop. Yeah. So I couldn't really look too much into yeah. that, but there's not like a ton of great evidence. And I'm worried also that we may be trying to paint deformities yeah. into gigantism or maybe that person did have gigantism yeah who knows yeah i mean there's definitely giants that walk the earth today but these are medical anomalies yeah i i think it's important to look at these things through a lens of understanding that glasses didn't exist i mean when you think about mythology and all that stuff in general when you mm -hmm. take glasses out of the picture <laughs> everything makes a lot more sense but also like mental health 
Like, oh, definitely. There are so many things that tie into like just a lack of understanding and, yep. and lack of, of medicine and science as to why these beliefs um, existed. And, and even, I mean, some of them, like a lot of religions don't allow you to eat pork. That's because pork's really not that good for you. And especially at the time it, it was more dangerous to consume. So it's, it makes sense. Those rules exist because they're trying to find a way to keep people safe or to control people a little bit of both. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, it's just like when, you know, everybody has stories about this mythical creature that's going to come into the night and you're only told these stories as a kid. And if you do this bad thing, they're going to come and get you oh, and yeah. all that kind of stuff. It's the same idea where we're doing it as a means of control, but under the guise of protection yeah. or we just don't want you to fuck around. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's uh, that's very interesting. So lastly, the goal of the Nephilim resistance movement is to just open the eyes to others of what they've discovered and to oppose the reconstruction of this demigod DNA. And this is purely based on esoteric interpretations of the Bible and of the Enochian literature. And of course, of the remains of giants being uncovered, evidence of which supposedly being oppressed or suppressed. Yeah. But uh, when you look at Google, it's all Photoshop. Yeah. And yeah. It's, I, I'm not going to say that I believe in any way, shape or form that there are discoveries that are not being suppressed because absolutely. Oh, I, like, definitely. But, but I think there are a few things that kind of come up whenever these conspiracy theories rise. And for me, the number one question that kind of answers fact or fiction is Kibono. And it's just kind of like, who's going to benefit from lying about finding giants and trying to reconstruct them? Because I think that it, once you take the Bible out of it, it's kind of like, I don't, you just, just kind of think about who benefits and in what way flat earth is a good example of that. Yeah. I like knowing, you know, some people think that the powers that be are trying to make us not know that the earth is actually flat and it's like, okay, but who benefits from that? Yeah. What are they getting out of lying to us about that? I like, I believe we're lied to about a lot of things, but there's no, like, there's no, uh, give me a rational reason that they quote unquote would be lying to us about that. And I think that's kind of a good smell test for a lot of conspiracy theories. Yeah. Like I'm trying to figure out what the Nephilim resistance movement, what their agenda would ultimately what a cool name, be. Though. Yeah. It's pretty dope. <laughs> it's pretty that's rad. It's like once you put resistance in anything, it usually sounds more metal. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, Yeah. It's definitely interesting. There's also many books. There's also documentaries that are coming out about this. And of course, these are evangelical Christian leaders who are making yeah. this kind of content. Lots of conferences and podcasts and whatnot, too. You'll find that there are people kind of chiming in in the chat or in the comments and talking about how terrible this would be and how terrible it already is mm -hmm. because the Nephilim are among us today. And they are in roles of leadership. And I'm talking about running the country. Lizard people. Lizard people and specifically being members of the Illuminati. And that's generally not to say the Illuminati doesn't exist or any of that stuff. Because who knows? Don't but, come for us. But usually as soon as someone's telling me a conspiracy theory and they bring up the Illuminati, I kind of like shut off. Yeah. It's just kind of <laughs> like, all right. Yeah. Like that to me is um, kind of like a. A red flag. Yeah. And that, a blanket excuse yes, for things that are going because wrong. Because of the Illuminati. Maybe there is a, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there are absolutely factions that are kind of under the surface that can, that pull all the strings. I mean, I don't think anyone 
who really understands how government works truly believes that our politicians have that much power or yeah. that like there's, there are, you know, it's an oligarchy, uh, money, money is power, but the Illuminati, it's like you said, it's, it's a blanket excuse. If that's your go-to bad guy in your conspiracy theory, I feel like you got to do a little more work. Yep. Again, those are just like things that are in the comments and it yeah. makes you wonder, I don't know, who are the people in power? Yeah. Could it be Nephilim, but they're in mortal form? Yeah. Because that is one belief is that they're still walking amongst us today, but a lot of that has to do with demons yeah. or I would imagine fallen angels. Well, that's another thing that like, it always bothers me in horror movies and it makes me like, if these beings are immortal and all powerful, they should not need to hide. And if you do right? need to hide, you're a little bitch. I just, <laughs> you're not, I can't be scared of something that is so weak. It has, it's the same thing as like horror movies where a demon possesses a person. Like I'm, yeah. I'm not scared of you. The most you can do is control a person's body. You're not taking over the globe. Like, yeah. Oh, big, scary. You know what? Cancer can do the same thing. Like and <laughs> infiltrate and ruin a life. Like, yes. like you are just another disease. Yeah. Just, That's fair. And that makes sense to me. But could you imagine the movie or the comic book or the graphic novel of the Nephilim walking the earth, but they're like, college professors they're humanitarians they run an orphanage but like yeah. a good one not a fucked up one yeah and, you know and they're bestowing knowledge upon us still yeah meteorologists yeah who knows i mean if the if this is you know if there's a tie into reality with this stuff maybe there are people who are these you know nephilims who don't know that they are you know if you just have <gasps> something unique about you and you oh don't realize God. that what if you didn't know you were a Nephilim? Though? Yeah. Like what oh if you're God. just like, <laughs> you just don't realize people who have visions and stuff or people, what if there's like maybe schizophrenics or Nephilims and they're just tied into a different, like they're capable of sensing every potential reality as it all happens at once. That's going to be overwhelming on the brain. You're going to probably pull out some crazy stuff from that. I would lose it. That's a really cool lens to look at this through. Wow. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Things to think about. Things to think about for <laughs> sure. <laughs> oh, holy shit. To tie things off. I do have. Oh no. A would you rather. Don't tell me. We oh. haven't done one in so long. Where am I? Where's my would you rather list? A okay. Terrible Ellsworth. Would you rather. Hmm. Oh God. Is Man, it I'm Nephilim? Going, I, have a, I have a huge list. I'm looking to see if there's any relevant ones. Okay. We'll go with a book of revelations one to an extent. Oh God. Uh, much, much minor. <laughs> so the world has ended. Okay. Would you rather spend the rest of your life living underground on earth or inside a space station. Can I get more details? Nope. Are you fucking kidding me? I need to know how big the space station is. Standard station. Standard size. Think space station in, in most like sci-fi type shows or under the earth. Mole people. Mole people. Yeah. Wait a minute. Okay. Because I watch a lot of space stuff, but I also just got done watching the silo. We need to finish that. You need to finish that. <laughs> the first few episodes were just kind of hard to get into, to okay. be honest. Okay. The world has ended. What is above the ground? Am I allowed you can, to know any of this? Fuck. All, all you need <laughs> to know is you cannot, you, ha you have to live underground. So whether I'm on the space station or I am under the ground, no I more catching grass go, for you. Oh. <laughs> Only lab grown grass. <laughs> There's, Okay. I think it would be really beautiful to live in a space station and to be able to look out into the universe and also see whatever destruction is being wrought on the planet. That sounds cool Yeah, to me. But at the same time, there is something infinitely terrifying about being out in the vacuum of space 
and it could be over in a matter of seconds. Yeah. My worst nightmare, unrealistic nightmare, is being in an airlock and somebody like, really, yep. yeah. Yeah. And I just freeze to death in an instant. Yeah. Oh my God. That's really terrifying. But at the same time, being under the earth as a human mole person, not a human nipple person. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's a different one. <laughs> that's a different episode. <laughs> uh, that's really scary. Not being just the unknowing, not being able to see anything from above that's yeah. happening on the earth. Like, oh, I fucking hate this one. Yeah. This one's You're trapped scary. either way. Yeah. Why is this so depressing? Coming soon to an earth near you. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. I think I would probably choose to be on the earth. Hmm. And I can't tell you why. Other than there is something more drawing to it's me. Home. Yeah. It's yeah. home. It's familiar. It's not in the vacuum of space. Nobody can put me in an airlock. I know yeah. what I know. And I can't get rid of that yeah. knowledge. But I am curious to know what you would choose because you have like super sound logic on these things mostly. Um, I have a choice. It's mostly. not really logic based. I would pick space station because okay. I want to fly. Um, TIE fighter would be cool. Um, <laughs> maybe an X-wing. Um, but, you know, like if I could give it, be like a space pilot with my laser. That's laser because guns. you are a thrill seeker. That is what that is. Yeah, I think that would be fun. But if I like had to live like a normal life and I couldn't be, you know, some sort of um, Star Wars style fighter pilot. Say you were the census taker. Yeah. Ship station. Although I still for me, I think I got to have unless I need to have windows like I open my windows in the wintertime. I can't be underground. I would like. Even if I'm getting sunlight from a space station, at I was least it's sunlight. Say, you can't open them in space either, my no, friend. No, <laughs> but at least I can see outside. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think I would be too claustrophobic. I mean, I, in theory, I would imagine that the underground world would be advanced enough where there would be gardens and 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 all that kind of stuff. Oh God, I hope so because how would we get oxygen? Yeah. and whatnot. Yeah, you would have to have something. Also, I just feel like it would drive you crazy being in a concrete silo. Yeah, if we're talking about that world, yeah, which you guys fucking read or watch whichever you have available to you yeah apple tv oh season two is gonna be amazing but anyway yeah <laughs> yeah well fuck you for that question <laughs> that was that terrible. was one of my nicer ones i s- what <laughs> i have a whole bunch of them i feel like you chose right though i think it was an appropriate i'm trying to figure out if there's a way for me to strike this out without Oh, you just have this comprehensive list. Uh, Yeah, I just have like in my notes app. I'll just just say and be like, oh, that's a good one. Add that to my list. That is a good one. Yeah. Well, I guess the earth will be um, flooded, but not by God and water this time. It'll be fire. Great. I hate it. (laughs) Buy marshmallows now. Can we? If that's how it's going to go, can we just like go like on a summit or like a really high place so we can kind of watch everything happen? We'll get lawn chairs, Full marshmallows. Nero, bring a violin. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. We'll just watch the world burn together. Yeah. We'll have a drink. I'll get off the wagon. Oh, yeah. I'm thinking um, to death, probably. <laughs> you know, just we all are. the alcohol in the world. <laughs> we are the s'mores. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love me some long pig. <laughs> long pig. <sighs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, I guess... Until next time, Dirtlings. Yeah. Be sure to give us a good review. You know, um, that means a lot to us. Follow us. 
like us, give us a five-star review. Follow all of our socials at Devil's Dirt Star on everything, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, or everywhere. Um, threads. Technically, we're on Twitter, X, but um, <laughs> don't, we don't really use that so much. But yeah, we're on everything. So give us a follow. Give us a like. Give us five stars. Uh, give us your firstborn. Stay yeah. dirty. <laughs> Stay dirty. <laughs> Love how you just snuck that in there. Give us your firstborn. <laughs> What are you, a Zazel? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>